Being on the forefront of using data and analytics to teach, the ever-dapper Sean Foley became a hot name in golf when he began coaching Tiger Woods and many other top golfers in the early 2010s. However, as this past decade has gone by, many golf fans have become torn about his teaching methods. Greetings y'all, it's your knock Peter Mata, and I know I've touched on Sean Foley and some of his players in previous videos, but today, we're going to do a little more of a deep dive on him and get an idea of why he's so polarizing to golf fans. So without further ado, let's get into the truth about Sean Foley. Son to Jerry and Donna Foley, Sean was born in Toronto, Canada. However, because of his father's sales job, he and the family moved often throughout his childhood, going from Toronto to Wilmington to San Francisco to Los Angeles to Toronto again to Vancouver and once more back to Toronto. While moving around so much was difficult, Sean did find solace in golf. As a kid, he played as often as he could and he quickly made strides in his game. My dad took me to the driving range when I was nine. I remember the one three wood that I actually got in the air and that was it for me. At 14, I went from about probably a 12 to about a three handicap in less than a year. That's where it really started to click. Interesting enough, at that young age, unlike most, he was intrigued not only in his own game, but also and even more so, he was intrigued in golf instruction, after watching Nick Faldo and David Leber working together at the Canadian Open. In his own words, Sean said, quote, Guys like Butch Harmon and David Ledbetter, I remember seeing them when I was younger and thinking they were just amazing. You had all these world-class players, and they were the people teaching them how to get the most out of their talent. I love that. With improvements in his own golf game, Sean was able to earn a golf scholarship to Tennessee State University, where Sean said was the place that significantly helped mold him into the person he is today. I couldn't have learned more at Yale University than I did at Tennessee State. There's street education, there's book education. I think the most powerful combination is both. While he does speak fondly of his time there, it was through tough times that helped mold him. For one, in terms of golf and grades, he had poor performances in both, which caused him to eventually lose the scholarship that got him there in the first place. In addition, with Tennessee State being a historically and predominantly black college, Sean initially struggled to fit in, as he didn't feel accepted and often felt the need to prove himself. Fighting isolation and depression, Sean did begin to slowly find himself there though. As he said, quote, I wasn't green exactly but I went there as a pretty insecure kid. And within a month, I got to the point where I said to myself, you have to be who you are and true to yourself. And with that, through different odd jobs, fun times, and student loans, Sean did eventually graduate at Tennessee State with an arts degree. For a time after his graduation, he stayed on as an apprentice instructor at John Jacobs School of Golf, where he had worked as an intern in college. Additionally, to make up for the meager wages he made there, he even at one point was a waiter at Outback Steakhouse. Soon thereafter, Sean's student visa ended up expiring, and as a result, he had to return to Toronto. There, with the help of well-known Canadian instructor Ben Kern, he was eventually able to find a teaching job at Glen Abbey's Junior Golf Academy. Since this job also didn't pay much, Sean had to take another job at a local restaurant called The Keg to make ends meet. And that was his life for a while. You could either find him working long hours, 
are partying it up. With this hectic lifestyle wearing on him, Sean began to push harder to better himself. As he said, quote, I was driven to hit the golf ball better and I was driven to party. If I never really went through that phase, I wouldn't have opened all these books up about the mind and spirit. If I hadn't gotten to that point where I was that down and realized I didn't want to live like that, I don't think I would have developed an insatiable thirst to learn more about myself and try to figure out who I wanted to be. With that, Sean went to work. He became an avid reader in many subjects, and he continued to grow as an instructor. Additionally, he began forming his own theories on the golf swing. At one point, Sean even made a deal with one of his golf students, who was a graduate student at McMaster University and had access to their biomechanics lab. Sean wanted access to this lab so he could test his theories. Thus, to get in, he would trade golf lessons for access. During this time in the early 2000s, Sean also actually met his now wife, Kate, when he gave her a personal golf lesson. Three years after this first meeting, they got married and have since grown their family to four with their two sons. With his life becoming more stable, Sean's career started to take off. In 2003, he became the head coach for the Canadian Junior Golf Association. And in 2006, his big break came when he first met Stephen Ames at Glen Abbey. After shortly working together, the two forged a good partnership. As Stephen said, quote, My reason for going to him was that my body broke down and I couldn't swing. Our initial three days of working together changed what I had been trying to change for years. Under Sean's tutelage, Stephen went on to win that year's Players' Championship. After that great success, Sean and his wife made a big decision to move to Orlando so that Sean could pursue not only his partnership with Stephen Ames, but also with other world-class players. Thus, they settled in Florida and Sean began working at Core Golf Junior Academy. In addition, he began to build his stable of tour players. In 2008 and 2009, Sean started working with a string of young players that included Sean O'Hare, Hunter Mahan, and Justin Rose. Each of these players began to perform better and reached their peak form with Sean as their coach. For example, in 2009, Sean O'Hare went on to win on tour and reach his highest ranking. And in 2010, both Hunter Mahan and Justin Rose won twice on tour. One of Sean's main things he brought to the table was his use of TrackMan that allowed him to gather and analyze data on players' swings and determine the player's path forward. And we'll get more on this later. This brings us to the player that truly introduced Sean Foley to the world, that of course being Mr. Tiger Woods. Fulfilling a prophecy that he made 10 years prior, Sean got his chance to coach the generation's greatest player. Mind you though, this was 2010, and Tiger was coming off scandal, divorce, injuries, and the worst performance he had in his career to that point. So there was a lot to work on here. Just to note, one of the big reasons that Tiger decided to go work with Sean was he wanted to have a swing that put less stress on his body, especially his knees, which his previous swings had put a lot of pressure on. With that being the direction, Sean and Tiger went to work on Tiger's third swing change in his career. A few of the things Sean changed included Tiger's posture. Tiger was more bent over and stood a little farther away from the ball compared to his Haney swing. Tiger also got a little more centered over the ball and he put more weight on his left side. Sean's method additionally promoted Tiger to have more forward shaft lean at impact and come at the ball steeper, which made Tiger take much bigger divots than before and at the time allowed him to gain some of the distance he had from early in his career. 
Most notably, another one of Sean's big principles that many other swing coaches talk about too is this notion of swinging left. With Tiger, Sean made him more of a fader and had him work on a more out-to-end swing path to try to fix one of Tiger's main swing issues of getting stuck. With all that being said, these changes did take some time to set in for Tiger. A big hurdle in 2011 was Tiger's Achilles injury that kept him out of action for most of the season. However, come late that year, the changes were starting to show more results. While it was an exhibition, Tiger got his first win in over two years at his Chevron World Challenge, and this gave him confidence going into 2012 and 2013. In that time span, Tiger ended up winning eight times on tour, including a Players' Championship. With Tiger along with Hunter Mahan and Justin Rose having great success during these years, it gave Sean Foley a lot of notoriety, and I'd say his stock, so to speak, was at its peak here. Many hot players like Lee Westwood and Luke Donald were also looking to work with Sean. However, things did start to change in 2014. It was clear, even from late 2013, that Tiger was visibly starting to have back problems. In March 2014, Tiger was having trouble finishing tournaments in the Florida Swing, and soon thereafter, it was discovered that he had a bulging disc in his lower back, which required Tiger to undergo a procedure to repair it. Taking months off to recover, Tiger did return in the summer. However, the back troubles were still very apparent. After attempts to play and even shorten his swing to protect his back, Tiger struggled, and in August, him and Sean decided to end their professional relationship. Tiger was not the only player to end the relationship with Sean Foley. By 2014, Parker McLaughlin and Sean O'Hare had already been split from him for quite some time. In 2016, after a couple years of struggling, Hunter Mahan decided to also split with Sean, but they did reunite last fall. And the same thing happened with Justin Rose. Him and Sean had split in 2020, but also have since reunited. It's not totally uncommon for players and coaches to split, but because of Sean's high coaching profile, it certainly did draw some attention, and it begged the question as to why there was so much player turnover. Now it hasn't been all doom and gloom for Sean in the past few years. For one, he now runs his own academy called the Foley Performance Junior Golf Academy. And while he lost most of those early players, there are many players that he added to his client list too, including Cameron Champ, who he has taught since he was 14, Danny Lee, Brendan Grace, Lucas Beauregard, and most recently, he's helped steady the ship for Lee Westwood, Danny Willett, and Lydia Ko. Just to give some context in terms of what Sean has helped these players with, let's take a look at what Lydia Ko had to say about working with him. She said, quote, He hasn't ripped anything apart. He's got me not to think too much about the lines of everything. I've tried to change my mindset of not taking a video of my swing every single time I'm on the driving range. Just go out there and if the ball is going the way I think it's going, then just play with it. It doesn't need to look like a perfect swing for me just to play golf. With that, I think it's time for us to take an even deeper dive into Sean Foley's teaching methods and get a better understanding of what exactly makes him so polarizing. So let's get into this. Since we've mentioned a few of his methods already, let's go back to our discussion of his use of TrackMan. Sean wasn't the first to use TrackMan or use data to break down player swings, but I will say he's a big reason why it sort of has gone mainstream because of his work with Tiger and his early players. With this use of TrackMan, 
It's led to more and more players adopting the methodology. And you see it nowadays. Just about every player is tracking their swing data, and it's even evolved to it being used in all parts of the game. This scientific approach to the game has been embraced by many, and none more so than by Bryson DeChambeau. So I think Sean definitely deserves some props for making Trackman, analyzing data on swings, and in general taking a scientific approach to the game so popular. In terms of Sean's other methods, we mentioned a lot of them when talking about Tiger's swing change. As was said, Sean promotes setting up with the ball centered and weight on the left side if you're a right-handed golfer, as well as an out-to-end swing path with heavy forward shaftling at impact. A few other tips that he generally recommends is syncing the rotation of the hands, arms, and upper torso in the backswing, ensuring a strong hip turn, and making a tall finish generated from pushing off the ground. Now this is all good and fine. On paper, there's nothing technically wrong with his methodology, but we do have to mention the counterpoints to his approach because it's one of the big reasons why some golf fans have a low sentiment towards Sean Foley. For one, some argue that a lot of Sean's swing methods were stolen from Mike Bennett and Andy Plummer's stack and tilt philosophy. Former PGA Tour player Charlie Wee had this to say in 2010 about it. Quote, I'm not going to say the person's name, whoever Tiger is working with. He's got Andy and Mike's DVD, their book, and he always calls them asking questions. In his counter-argument to these claims, Sean does acknowledge the resemblance to stack and tilt, and he says he has nothing but respect for what his friends Mike and Andy have done. Most specifically, he stated at one point, quote, Andy and Mike are very bright guys, but how much of what they teach is Mac O'Grady? And how much do they take from Sneed and Hogan? And how much is taken from Newton? He continued saying, Mike and Andy aren't reinventing the wheel. Like me, they watched old school players hit it good and realized there was something to what they were doing, but they didn't invent the 1950 golf move. On this point, I'd say I'd lean a little more towards Sean, I think we can all see the resemblance to stack and tilt, but he does have a point that we all sort of steal or better yet get influenced by great works in the past, and so long as you give credit where credit is due, which Sean seems to be doing, then there shouldn't be a problem. Another criticism Sean gets is that he's over technical with his players and tries to get them to perfect their trackman numbers instead of using feel and artistry. Everyone's favorite golf channel commentator, Brandel Chambly, had this to say back in 2012, quote, When I watch Tiger play golf, and when I watch Hunter Mayhem play golf, and when I watch Justin Rose play golf, they make constant corrections to their swings. In between shots, they are constantly rehearsing not a swing but positions, which tells me they are not playing with any imagination, they're playing with automation. It's like they're addicted to an idea instead of the goal. Like many, I'm not the biggest fan of Brandle, but I do think he's kind of on the money here. Sean's players often come off as robotic and overly focus on mechanics. As some say, they play golf swing as opposed to playing golf shot. Now look, I do think Sean is a bright guy and his scientific approach is logical, but I also do think he goes overboard at times. When you listen to some of his instruction videos, you can easily get lost in the minutia. Just to get a zero horizontal swing plane would have to be the down, the left matching the down a bit better. Um, yeah, the, the, actually, to, you mean to zero the swing plane or zero the path? What's going to make the ball go straight? The, zeroing the path. Okay. If you zero the swing plane with how much you're hitting down, you'll hit a draw. 
The data and technical stuff are great for knowledge building, but in terms of translating that to great play, sometimes the simplest tip or explanation is the best one. The last thing you want to be doing is overthinking when you're playing. I know it's tough to compare him or anyone to Butch Harmon, but a mark of a great coach like Butch is his ability to make the complicated sound simple, not the other way around. In Sean's defense, I think he's learned this along the way. As we heard in the Lydia Co quote earlier, he seems to better understand that not everything needs a technical explanation. The final and most prominent criticism that I'll mention about Sean Foley is that many believe his coaching was a big culprit for Tigers like a majors in the 2010s and for starting Tigers back problems. In my opinion, both these points are partly true. First, I think the swing that Tiger had under Sean definitely did contribute to his bad back. To what extent, I don't know, but I think Tiger's back problem was due to a combination of his injury history and his Sean Foley swing. I know before going to Sean that Tiger's injury issues were mostly knee related, but even so, when you play with injuries as severe as that, you're putting pressure on other parts of your body. And I think the swing work that Sean did with Tiger created a posture and motion that was unnatural for Tiger's body and consequently added more pressure to it, and that ultimately was the straw that broke the camel's back. With the injury troubles, it goes hand in hand why Tiger didn't win a major with Sean, because frankly Sean only worked with a healthy Tiger for two full seasons in 2012 and 2013. We obviously saw what Tiger was able to do in those seasons, eight wins including a player's, so while statistically it wasn't Tiger's peak, there were still signs of good form. Hell. For any other player, that's an amazing career. Plus, I think Tiger's lack of mental confidence post-scandal played a huge part in him not regaining his major mojo in the early 2010s, so you can't fully blame Sean on that one. We have to remember that when Tiger came to Sean, it was at a low point in his life. So I will say, Sean did give Tiger some stability and a time in his life when he needed it. And Sean does recognize his mistakes he made with Tiger. Here's what he said recently this year about coaching him. Quote, Looking back on it now, I think I probably overcoached him. I was there at a time when he needed someone to support him. It was a time in his life when a lot of people who had been in his life for a long time started to ditch him. I think unfortunately I approached it from a point of view that good technique will take care of everything. Honestly, sometimes I giggle to myself when I think about it. Like, what was I even trying to tell Tiger Woods? Honestly. I remember one time when he wasn't chipping well and he asked me to take a look. If I had a chance again, I'd probably say, dude, you're Tiger Woods, it's shipping. Look within yourself. I'm sure you have the answer. Overall, I think Sean Foley ultimately is a fine golf coach, one who is learning from his experiences. He's been criticized heavily over these past years, and a lot of that definitely has to do with his work with Tiger. And some of it's certainly fair, because he has made mistakes with Tiger and some of his other players but we also have to give him credit for helping improve many others. He continues to help introduce the game to many and has helped pros and amateurs alike improve their game. He helped make TrackMan and Golf Analytics mainstream and I give him credit for lifting the careers of Stephen Ames, Sean O'Hare, Hunter Mahan, and Justin Rose. And it will be interesting to see how his work translates in the future with players like Cameron Champ, Danny Willett, Lydia Ko, and others. So at the end of the day, these are just my observations about Sean. I know there's so much more I can talk about him. He's got an interesting background and mindset. I think he's been doing good work recently on growing the game through YouTube tips and doing pro bono clinics. So I encourage y'all to look more up on him. 
But yeah, definitely let me know your thoughts on this video and whether or not you hold these truths to be self-evident about Sean Foley. Anyways, thanks again for watching y'all, and as always, please like, subscribe, and comment below. Your words mean something to me.